Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, where we talk about all things related to post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress. This means the content of this podcast can be graphic, and if you suffer from PTSD or complex PTSD, keep in mind you could become triggered. If that happens, stop the podcast immediately and take care of yourself. You can always come back and listen later. I'm the guinea pig here, and it is my life I examine on Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. It is my hope that my trials and tribulations, successes and failures, will somehow compel you to examine your life and discover your gifts. Socrates exclaimed, a life unexamined is a life not worth living. This is a call to action for all of us. As a clinical social worker, this was my trade, my vocation. From personal experience, I can tell you, without a doubt, that what you don't know can hurt you. My entire life, I have been compelled to support and encourage people to grow, to boldly look within and courageously examine their lives. Shine your light onto those dark spaces, and the solutions you seek will reveal themselves. Now sit down, relax, and listen. Out of my mind, he goes to me. Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. I'm your host, Ray Erickson. This week turned out to be a bit more difficult for me than I anticipated. As I began putting this episode together, I found myself struggling with higher than normal levels of anxiety and self doubt. I wouldn't be surprised if this is true for a lot of people with CPTSD and PTSD. The holidays have a powerful effect on us, and not necessarily in a good way. So I'm beginning this week's episode with some processing. Hopefully, that will lower my anxiety, and I will be able to focus and produce for you. This week has also been interrupted, not by flashbacks or emotional overwhelm, but by allergy attacks. I don't get them very often, but when they do occur, I'm useless. My head is filled with phlegm, my nose is plugged, and I am sneezing every three minutes. Not just one sneeze, I unleash a tirade of sneezes, and this goes on all day and all evening until I go to bed. There is no amount of antihistamine I can ingest that will calm my hypersensitized autoimmune system. This happened not just once this week, but twice. One reason for this is the Navidades, or the Christmas winds. They are ever so present at this time of the year, and with me hanging out here on the side of a hill overlooking the Central Valley, the wind is ferocious as it hurls itself out of the east. Along with the wind comes the sun. The rainy season is officially over, and we now have endless sunshine for the next five months. The sun brings with it flowers, lots and lots of flowers. Flowers everywhere, and along with those flowers come the pollen, and hence my sensitivity. I have no idea why. I can go most of the time and not have much of a problem with allergies. But now and again, I am overwhelmed by a histamine response from hell. My day is shot. And this week, there's not just one day, but two days like this. 
On the second day, I was determined to do something about it. I needed to go to town and mail an out-of-my-mind art order, so I took advantage of that and picked up a new antihistamine and made an appointment to see my doctor. The attack had been relentless since 5 o'clock in the morning, and I was exhausted by the time I returned home. I took the medicine and sat down to meditate. No way. My leaky nose was not going to permit any mindful activity. So I tried taking a nap. Sometimes that works to interrupt the histamine response, but no dice. I finally acquiesced to the inevitable and watched TV with a hanky in my face. People with CPTSD and PTSD know they put pressure on themselves to be consistent and to be productive and to stay present no matter what is going on. What's going on this week is the after-Christmas blues mixed with the New Year's anticipation and excitement. It's like taking an eight ball. For those of you who don't know what an eight ball is, it's a blend of speed, methamphetamine, and heroin. Yeah, really. I'm only guessing at what it's like because I've never done one before. But my sympathetic nervous system knows all too well what it's like to have ups and downs going on at the same time. I'm sure many of you know those feelings as well. One of the things about me is that I don't tolerate routine very well. I'm terrible at keeping a routine. I was able to do it in high school because I had teachers and coaches who structured the routine and would keep me pointed in the right direction. I didn't have to do much structuring at all. They did it for me. This system broke down pretty fast when I went to college. Without the tethers of those well-meaning adults, I quickly spiraled downward, and by the end of the second semester, I was on academic probation. But that's another episode. Right now, spitting out a weekly podcast requires that I follow some sort of routine. And brother, let me tell you, it has been a real challenge. But I'm also growing and becoming a bit more disciplined in the process. Maybe I won't practice guitar every day, but I will have a podcast ready for you every week. Once I get this routine down, then maybe I will work on my guitar licks. I am applying a huge amount of pressure on myself to produce 20 to 30 minutes of good content every week. And this week, at the end of a tremendously stressful year, seems to be particularly difficult, especially after losing two days being inundated with snot. Now I am behind schedule and frantically working on something that is of interest to you and provides a therapeutic benefit. So there, that's where I'm at right now, and I feel better by getting that off my chest. Thanks for your indulgence. Now, let's talk about the end of 2020 and the hope that 2021 brings with it. To set the mood for last year, I remembered a quote by Charles Dickens. In his book, A Tale of Two Cities, he began his novel about the French Revolution with this line. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief, it was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. If this doesn't describe 2020, then I don't know what does.
Maybe everyone should read this book again. The similarities are uncanny. What I'm saying is, the year 2020 has been a real bitch for a lot of people, yours truly included. First of all, I want to thank all of the first responders. They are the true heroes of 2020. They are dedicated and courageous, and I'm sure most of them would tell you they were just doing the job. This is the beauty about humanity. Humanity, at its core, is humble. When I look back at last January, shit, I, I don't even remember January, or most of February. I do know that my wife and I were getting tired of living in the lake house, and we're both anxious to move to the farm where a lot is. We wanted to be on the property while the construction was occurring so we could keep a better eye on the process. We had hoped that construction would begin at the first of the year, but it didn't. In fact, it wasn't until April when ground was broken and the construction began. At that point, we moved into a rancho on the farm and we pitched our tent. It was the beginning of the rainy season, and here in Costa Rica, that means rain. Daily rain. Not just showers, but thunderstorms and deluges of rain every day. We were on alert 24 hours a day and 7 days a week because these storms would drop down on you suddenly and with a minute of the first raindrop, the clouds burst open and we were besieged in a torrent of rain. As the rain poured down, we sequestered ourselves in the rancho hoping the plastic sheeting we used to protect our tent and much of our belongings held up. There were many times where I was in the, quote, bedroom, adjusting the various posts we needed to keep the rain from collecting and collapsing the roof. The structure eventually looked like a circus tent. At times, we would discover a pocket of rain so big that it took both of us rocking the bubble of water back and forth until it splashed out over the support beam until it was empty. We were amazed the roof never collapsed. That would have been a real bad thing. However, on one occasion, we were too late, and the weight of the water snapped the main bamboo cross beam holding up the roof. This bamboo was over six inches in diameter. Imagine how heavy that water bubble must have been. Fortunately, we had another section of bamboo nearby, and with some ingenuity and perseverance, I was able to install a new crossbeam, and all was well, for a while. Meanwhile, my wife is in the rancho, closing the saran we use in place of actual windows, in an urgent effort to keep rain from coming in and flooding our main living area. We work really well together under these conditions. You know, your basic life-or-death situations, we manage that stuff pretty well. The feelings? Eh, not so well. These storms clear out just as fast as they come in, and they rarely last more than two hours. On many occasions in 2020, hurricane activity in the Gulf of Mexico caused the rain to continue for days at a time. Then the rain stops and the sun shines until the next day. Now, the dry season is called dry because there is no rain. It's an all-or-nothing thing here in Costa Rica. We may be in the northern hemisphere at 9 degrees north latitude, 
but we got the seasons all backwards. When every other northern hemisphere resident experiences winter, we are experiencing summer, and the skies are clear. Summer begins in December and ends in May. When it's snowing and blowing up north, the sun is shining and the surf is up here in Costa Rica. And when it's summer up north, it's raining here. I am just now getting used to it. This weather pattern makes Costa Rica an ideal winter destination for northern snowbirds. Did you know that two-thirds of the Costa Rican economy is based on tourism? The impact of COVID here has devastated the tourist industry, and even though it doesn't get much press, a lot of people have lost their jobs. And fortunately, unlike in the States, the Costa Rican government has comprehensive programs to help those who lose their jobs. So there we were, living in a rancho and sleeping in a tent under a plastic Viz Queen roof, supported by bamboo posts and rails. It was a real Swiss Family Robinson adventure. But my wife was amazing throughout this process. This is one of the things I love about her. She's adventurous. I mean, how many women in their 60s would put up with living in a rancho and sleeping in a tent for five months? She's a real trooper. But by the end of October, we were both incredibly stressed, and we couldn't wait until we were out of that situation. Let's add to that the freaking coronavirus. COVID-19 certainly didn't help things much either. All these pressures brought out the worst in each of us, and the conflicts were going nuclear. I was getting triggered on a near-daily basis. We had exceeded our limits. I was exhausted. She was exhausted. We stopped being friends, and we became rivals. We could barely speak to each other without being anxious, the other person would respond badly. We acted like we expected each other to not be there for us. The life was being choked out of our relationship. We needed a time out. Are any of you relating to this? So, from my perspective, 2020 really sucked. It sucked big time. I should really be looking forward to 2021, but I'm not. Cynicism has been eating away at my optimism. I know this attitude is temporary until I get myself grounded and I'm living consistently in a more balanced state of being. CPTSD has a way of eating away at your self-esteem and your sense of well-being until there is nothing left. Nothing but an empty shell. A shell that was built to protect, but all it did was imprison. Now that I've broken that egg, let's see what kind of omelet I can make. I'm down, but I'm not defeated. If you have ever been there, then you know what I mean, and you know what you need to do. There is no rescuer. There is no one who's going to kiss your wound and tell you everything is going to be okay. There is only you. And in my case, I've been putting this off for a long time. I needed to reset. I needed to do, once and for all, take on my fear of abandonment, and this required solitude. In 2020, I kept reading about attachment theory, and I was desperately seeking an explanation for the troubles in my marriage, so I began to look into it. I've known about attachment theory for a long time, but I never really explored it. 
cognitive behavioral therapy was my primary treatment modality. But as I learned more and more about this perspective on human development and relationships, I saw myself within its models. This theory attempts to describe how humans connect with each other. It seeks to explain why we do what we do in relationship with ourselves and with others. According to attachment theory, there are two basic attachment styles, secure and insecure. Within the insecure attachment style, there are two types, anxious and avoidant. Since people with CPTSD tend to have insecure attachment styles, this means we come in two flavors, anxious and avoidant. People like me with anxious insecure attachment styles tend to be clingy and push too hard for togetherness. We want our partner's love and attention and we become distressed when it's withdrawn. Now people with avoidant insecure attachment styles often have a dismissive attitude. They shun intimacy and have difficulties reaching out to others in time of need. These polar opposite and competing styles fed into our fears and reinforced our need to double down on our positions. In our situation, me, having an anxious style of attachment, would sense her withdrawal and I would try to engage her. This action triggered my wife's avoidance style, which compelled her to retreat even further. It was fight or flight nearly every day. I was fight and she was flight. We got nowhere, and the stressors of living under these conditions contributed to the futility I began to feel. It occurred to me that this dynamic was not going to change. Rather, I needed to change. I needed to change my circumstances, and if we couldn't do it together, then I needed to do it myself. I needed solitude. We agreed to separate for the time being, and this is where we are right now. The question I have is this. Can two people with polar opposite attachment styles continue together, or will the tensions that arise ultimately destroy any possibility of being together? Will either party get their emotional needs met? This dichotomy gets played out when my need to talk has a head-on collision with her need to not talk. It has always been my belief that talking resolves problems, and it has always been her belief that talking makes problems worse. Can we do it? Can each of us change our attachment styles enough in order to accommodate for the other? Or do each of us need someone with a secure attachment style even to be in relationship? I don't know. The research I have done paints a bleak picture when it comes to couples like us. According to the research, couples who have both anxious and avoidant attachment styles have a real hard time staying together. We both need to change if we're going to be together. Change is hard, though. It's always been hard. No matter who is doing the changing and what they are trying to change. For a human being to make changes to their fundamental sense of self is like climbing Mount Everest. It takes courage, fortitude, persistence, and desire.
a strong desire to change. It don't come easy. This brings me to 2021. Americans, you know, are amazingly optimistic when it comes to the new year, and this year has made it especially difficult to be optimistic. But nevertheless, like clockwork, people are busy at this very moment crafting their New Year's resolutions. I've never been big on commitments made on New Year's Eve, mainly because my track record with resolutions has been more of a source of discouragement as opposed to a source of inspiration. Part of that lies in the fact that along with CPTSD, I also have ADD, or Attention Deficit Disorder. I've had this all my life. People with ADD have a difficult time with time management, and for me, I tend to get bored quickly, especially if the task at hand has a steep learning curve. It's not that I can't hold focus, but for me to do so, I must remain interested in the process. As soon as the process gets bogged down or there are multiple setbacks, I quickly shift my attention to a task I feel more comfortable with. This is one of the many ways I self-sabotage and hold myself back. Self-sabotaging may be an area of concern for you as well. 2020 has been a hellhound of a year, and even though there are some positives in the final moments of this year as the vaccines are rolled out, I'm not convinced that we are nearing the end of the COVID crisis. Therefore, I am more cynical than optimistic for a turnaround in 2021. There is still plenty of mask-wearing and social distancing to do. These protocols will continue throughout the new year and probably the year after that. I've read a number of studies that claim life will not bear any resemblance to normal until 2023. You need to keep that in mind as we stumble into 2021. There will be plenty of turbulence to deal with, so fasten your seatbelts. That said, let me toss out two of my main resolutions, or what I call priorities for 2021. They're coming right off the top of my head and through my gut. I didn't put a lot of thought into this, but my intuition tells me these are the two main areas I need to focus on in 2021. Here we go. My first priority for the coming years to reestablish a, a connection with myself. I tend to lose myself in relationships, but I am now aware that this is because I have developed an insecure and anxious attachment style. The other factor, of course, is the addition of complex post-traumatic stress, which keeps me hypervigilant and highly reactive to real and perceived threats. The CPTSD has effectively sabotaged each and every intimate relationship I have been in. My current marriage is no exception. My second priority is to practice keeping myself intact and not letting CPTSD kidnap my emotions along with my ego and compel me to jump into fight-or-flight mode. Given my attachment style, I tend to go into fight mode and I engage in a way that drives my partners away. It's scary for both of us. Even though I'm not threatening with my words or my gestures, my affect is over the top and intense. I want and I believe I need resolution immediately. 
And the longer it takes to resolve, the more anxiety I feel. In my childhood, there was no resolution. There was no empathy, and there was no support for my emotional status. This is why I turn into a six-year-old boy when I get triggered. These are the two major priorities for me in 2021. I need to work on them whether my marriage survives or not. These resolutions have nothing to do with anyone else, but both of them require interaction in an intimate relationship to be tested and practiced. Practice makes perfect, right? I know I'm not going to get much practice being here on my own, and at the moment, I am too afraid of sabotaging myself if my wife were to re-enter the picture. The thought of getting back together right now freezes me, which tells me I'm not ready. It is best for me at this time to focus on reconnecting with myself, and honestly, I have no idea how long that will take. I have no timeline. I would love it if I could surgically alter my historical impressions in such a way that I'm able to dive deep and suggest to my younger self a new ending to the story, a new life narrative where his needs get met, where it's safe to engage in intimate relationships, where I develop a deeper connection with myself. To do this, I need to establish healthy boundaries and set limits for myself and with others. As a clinician, I stress these very things to my clients who are experiencing a crisis of self. You know what they say, physician, heal thyself. Well, that's my priority in this new year, and I'm bringing you along for the ride. Hopefully, my experiment will result in some positive results. And I encourage each of you to look at one or two factors related to your own growth and development and change that which is fucking you up. Okay? Don't worry. I'll be here. You must take responsibility for how you respond to life. And this is what I'm doing here. I've been a victim way too many times throughout my life. And victims just don't see a need to change. It's always the other person who needs to change. Stop playing the victim role and change your way of being. Change is the only constant in life, so embrace it. We must be more like the natural world. Nature is always changing, always evolving, but that's difficult for humans to do. We cling to the familiar, and we reject the unfamiliar. I can let CPTSD and an insecure attachment style ruin my life, or I can practice the skills I need in order to improve my response to being triggered. I can learn to accept that I will not die if my partner leaves me. I do not need to continue self-sabotaging. I am living my life, and I am responsible for my response to life's scary moments. The same is true for you. So thanks for being here, and please, please spread the word about Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Your engagement is what makes this podcast a place of healing and growth. I'm not just doing this for me. I'm doing this for you and the people who love you. Drop me a line. 
ray at rayerickson.com. Let's do this together. Together is better. And as usual, I have found some websites that hopefully will deepen your understanding of today's main focus. I hope you find them helpful. So, until the next time, be courageous, be strong, and be kind. I'll catch you later. Bye.